Yeah, I've, and I've been in AI for the last uh, 10 years. I had an AI startup and travel that tried to do something that we're about to show you. And uh, we did it, but we could only do it in a very limited space. And ChatGPT, because it can, <clears throat> pardon me, because it can consume so much data, has, has really changed the game. So I want to introduce uh, Gary Summerhalder, who is the CEO of Copilot Travel. A company I've been working with for a while. They were building our building, a booking engine. It's kind of unique, a travel booking engine you can drop into a website with a single line of code. Uh, so anybody can book travel. And that's what they've been working on. But in the last two weeks, or maybe three, they changed <clears throat> a bit to add a chat GBT front end. Uh, and that's what we're going to show you today. And even more amazing, Gary told me about half an hour ago that chat GBT APIs are hard down. So they rewrote their API in about an hour uh, <clears throat> to use a, a different product, not chat GBT, but one of its competitors, which mm. tells you uh, it's pretty amazing what you can do if you have great APIs. So we're, we've got a, like a two minute demo here. So Gary, I'm gonna turn it over to you to, to show us uh, what you've put on as a front end, if you can share your screen. All right, excellent. All right, everybody, can you hear me? Yep, yep. Welcome. welcome. Okay, great. Hi, Mark, pleasure to be here. So my name is Gary Summerholder, and I'm the founder and CEO of Copal Travel. I'm a serial technologist and an engineer. So we spent the last four years building a revolutionary travel booking engine, which is all API-based, all SDK-based, connects you globally to the largest amount of travel inventory in the world, trains, cruises, buses, planes, hotels, flights, everything you think of. So the idea was, what would AI search look like? So this is our patent pending integrated travel component. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, hey, let's jump into chat GPT world. This is actually powered by GPT-3 through the open AI APIs. So one click, I'm ready to go. Okay, so the future of travel, the revolution that takes place is when you can literally type something in and it knows exactly what you're doing. So in this example, I wanna fly from New York to London with my wife, I've been married 14 years, on the 16th of February and return on the 22nd of February. Let's fly. So right now, through a couple different things, natural language processing, Entity recognition, named entity recognition, which are all being adapted and utilized as core foundational technologies, which are actually also powering technologies like GPT. Now, I will tell you that even under the paid plans, when you have access to these systems, the APIs are still a bit slow. However, you will see our engine, our proprietary technology and cloud-based platform was able to bring back Hey, you want to go New York City? You want to go London? You wanted to go on the 15th, come back on the 21st. You had two passengers and we didn't define a class. And now instantly you have access to real-time availability. You can literally book right here, right now. Multiple currencies, languages, countries, everything's at your fingertips. Let's do one more really cool thing. Let's go back and let's say, hey, I want to do a travel search, but this time I want a hotel. So I'm just going to tell it, hey, I want a hotel. I want to book a hotel for two people in London, the 18th of February. I'm going to click search. Now, as Terry just mentioned to you, because we're experiencing a lot of latency and downtimes with the open APIs, um, we've already connected this to a competitor, 
which is actually called one, um, one API or one data. And so at this point, we're also routing the request back and forth. So now it's actually doing a flight search before, now it's doing a hotel search. It's got all of its data. It's checking to make sure everything is actually there. Um, this is a really nice loading screen that we put together. And now in just a second, you're gonna have all your hotels and they're fully bookable. Again, any currency, country, language. We think this is the future of travel and this is just the tip of the iceberg. Imagine I want a hotel with a golf course, a spa, here you go. Yeah, I think the more interesting thing will be a more complex query, which we can't do yet. And you see all the same photo there, but that's a demo. Uh, but it, it is real inventory to be able to say, I, I want to go to the Caribbean in January. Uh, I want to play golf and my wife wants a great spa. That'll take you an hour with Travelocity. Um, exactly. And, and to be able to have this kind of query is extremely powerful. So we're excited about it. Um, I, I think it is, we're the first guys to have it. We're going to announce it publicly. This is the first time it's ever been shown in, in, in a few days. And we think there's a, a very large market uh, in in the big guys will do this themselves, but hotel, smaller hotel chains, there's 40,000 plus online travel agencies. They're all going to have to have it to compete. And uh, that's that's what we're going after. But you can see they've done this in just a couple of weeks. So thanks, Mark. I think just curious on this in this sector. You know, I was always taught the rule: don't compete with Google or Apple. Uh, <laughs> what, what? How do you see? You know, how do you see them uh, trying to react? Well, everybody told me that with Travelocity, that that uh, in those days Yahoo would kill me, and everybody said with Kayak that Google would kill me. Uh, they aren't as good as verticals, although Google is pretty good in travel. Uh, in this case, we're going to get out. I think what's going to happen is. I'm not sure that Google and Apple will distribute travel APIs. We had to train this thing and we'll train it more and more and more ourselves to learn about travel. They're going to they're going to introduce generalized APIs and that's what they've done. Uh, we're going to train it to do travel and we'll train it for specific use cases and we'll train it on images and we'll train it on reviews and and many more things to make so you get the right hotel with the right review and the right image of the spa and the right review of the golf course at the right moment. And we're going to sell it to a broad market. You know, Marriott will do this themselves. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. I've been competing against those guys for a long time. They're not very good at these verticals. Um, and I, I think a, a small company that moves fast will do fine. And then sell to a Google. Oh, uh, yeah, hopefully. A absolutely. Sell to somebody. <laughs> for sure a tool yeah, mark i think the key is you know the travel industry changed a lot post pandemic what happened was there was this huge amount of money that's being generated and then everything went off the cliff right and the most exciting opportunity for us mark was for us to come in and say hey there is now an opportunity to get everybody to row their boat in the same direction everybody wants to share data Everybody wants to share intelligence. Everybody wants more customers, more sales, more bookings, more partnerships, a more unified and organized manner of doing global travel together. So we came in and we said, hey, we're, we're able to now connect to the largest data companies in the world, but you still have to have one company that's a Twilio, that's a Stripe, 
that comes in and says, here you go, here's all the APIs, here's all the SDKs, we've done all the heavy lifting for you. And that's really the key to why we think we can be super successful in this industry is because we can come in and we can say, here's a turnkey integrated travel component. There's nothing like this in the market. This is patent pending proprietary technology. Or here's all the APIs and SDKs and you build anything your heart can even imagine. Or you work with us and we help develop that software, that platform, that technology. Think about chat. Think about social. Think about web, desktop, mobile. So the world but, is just the point so exciting. The point of this today, Gary, is, is ChatGPT. And that's, that's what we're excited to show because that's on top of all the other components we already have. And they did it, they did it quickly. Um, so I, I think it shows what it can do in travel. Uh, and, and in so many other industries, Zillow introduced uh, a, a chat GBT like search. I, I just saw yesterday it happened to be on Zillow. Um, and, and I tried to push this rock uphill 10 years ago and got crushed in the end because nobody would change. Uh, the big travel companies weren't ready to change. Now I think they are. And I think you'll see that uh, in many other industries. Thanks, James, Gary. James, has, you have a question? James Tannehill? Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, Terry, quickly, um, I, I could definitely see synergies with like American Express, who has been really, you know, prolific in their investments and innovation. This could certainly be like a contextual analytics layer to somebody talking about what they want to do for a travel. And then this service could provide them options for the travel itself, I would imagine. Oh, it, it, absolutely. Uh, because you know, today the UI says, where do you want to go and what day? But what you're thinking about is, gee, I'd like to go to the Caribbean because it's cold here and play golf. Where should I go? Um, instead of putting in the name of every airport and trying to look at what they have, which is ridiculous. So it's like, you know, I, I started my career as a travel agent 50 years ago. That's what people say to you as a travel agent. But we can't say that online. Um, these generalized queries, I think, will give e-commerce uh, of, of all kinds tremendous power because you can you can express your intent. And when you know the customer's intent, and if you have a CRM file to say, oh, he's a first-class flyer, he stays at the Ritz, or he's a Southwest flyer and he stays at the Motel 6, you know what to present, right? Um, so you combine intent with knowledge about the customer, you get real power. You know, there are some strange birds that like to fly first class and stay at the motel six that's right and there are a lot of people who fly southwest and stay at the ritz carlton because it's yeah. one hour in aluminum tube with no food and nasty right. people who cares you know it there doesn't matter <laughs> so, so sanjay if you're if you and gary are next in a way you know you're also in a cousin industry so i don't know if, if you want to continue that discussion or i think you were going to talk about some hiccups in the market uh but uh maybe over to you yeah, so if we're so just as a segue, would love to um would love to like connect on this because one thing we were doing at Runday is coordinating events. And so we can figure out if you want, you know, 20 people to come to an event and they're all they're all you know living in different places in the world, the flight data to coordinate everyone to get there would be really fascinating well, of how we could do that. By the way, there's there are a few other people in the events business on this uh yeah. like, <laughs> how about yeah, so we, we, we almost had a yacht. Uh, across from Fontainebleau, but Mark Cuban's yacht came in. But if but now we've learned we're already 
we got the birth. Um, I, touch wood. <laughs> but we have to. We we need your help. That, that talk to us next. But carry on. Yeah. So you know, just coordinating events. So I mean, we're using. Uh, you know, we've been building this for about three years, and we've been working with OpenAI for about the last year. But there was really this. Uh, this moment for us where we, we tried out 117 different products that did some kind of chat. And out of that, only three of them could answer two plus two is four. And so what that meant was all of the old LSTM based or decision tree based technologies were just incapable of adapting to these sort of use cases where it's specific to your context. And that's where, you know, we, there, there was, you know, drift, there was open AI, which makes ChatGPT, And there was also boosted AI, which is we found wasn't scalable enough for us. But you know, this idea that we can ask sort of arbitrary questions that apply to our situation is uh, something that's, you know, only only about a year old in a lot of ways, there's some older technologies. But you know, we're super excited about it. And, uh, you know, I, I think what you look at in the market, and I want to talk about sort of Microsoft and OpenAI and the partnership that they have, I've been, you know, working with Microsoft for 20 years. I was actually an employee on the Visual Studio team. And what they've done here is potentially, they're calling it the deal of the decades. So the, the, the terms are this, it's a $30 billion valuation, but it requires exclusivity to Microsoft on search and a number of different things. And 75% of the profits have to go back to repaying this in addition to they have to use Microsoft for the, the hosting. And so, you know, really it's a question of, you know, what has more upside right now, Microsoft or OpenAI? And I think it's a, an interesting question in terms of the, you know, at the valuation that, you know, we're seeing and I've seen, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, north of 30 billion for uh, on the secondary markets. So it's a really exciting space. But what I think is important to note is that OpenAI does not have a monopoly, just like Gary, you were just saying that the team was able to switch to a, you know, competitor, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for some things, but, you know, we are, we're only, you know, maybe a year or two away from there being, you know, unlike the iPhone or unlike, you know, some other things like Google search where there was a monopoly scenario, I don't see a monopoly scenario here where OpenAI innovated it based on really research created at Google and Google's trying to catch up now with Bard. That was a very embarrassing result. Um, they, uh, they falsely claimed that, the James Webb Telescope found an exoplanet, which was which was not the case. It found celestial bodies. So minor thing, but someone should have really proofread it before putting out a press release, right? So, you know, it shows Microsoft investing 10 billion and creating a hundred billion dollar sort of uh, valuation shift in Google stock. But what we're going to see is going to be a very interesting dynamic where um, all the big tech titans plus startups start to partner and work together in different ways to create a, a cohesive ecosystem of APIs and vertically specific solutions, just like the one you're building, Gary, or we're building at Runday. And so, you know, from an investor perspective, this is, uh, I mean, there's some incredible, you know, this is, you know, they say, is this bigger than the iPhone? I don't think OpenAI is bigger than the iPhone for those reasons, but I do think as an ecosystem, this is bigger than the iPhone and the App Store, which was kind of the last giant thing that sort of happened other than Bitcoin. And we're going to Seattle and Palo Alto. We should be able to talk to Microsoft. That, but, but I just imagine what, what's happening at that time. It's probably leaps and bounds uh, forward. But as a community, I would love to tap into, we're going to go to Google's campus. I'm sure the Bard will be a different type of product. Maybe it's rebranded. 
Um, but is it, are you over to Gary now? Is that, is that the? Yeah. The, so Mark, I mean, the thing that's really interesting is that this really is democratizing opportunity. So imagine it gives everybody equal power. It's very, very interesting. And when we see throughout the companies that we have, we, as I said, we have 127 companies, AI companies in our portfolio today from all over the world. But it's really interesting because literally across the board, each one of them is now talking about ways to incorporate ChatGPT3. So if we look at, you know, the challenge, as I said earlier today, is infobesity. We are inundated with information. We need to have these intelligent assistants, these with superhuman intelligence that are kind of like your grandma with emotion and, and uh, empathy. In fact, in the chat, I just wrote an article on Forbes on Monday about ChatGPT. So if you get a chance, it's, it's in the chat here. But this world is going to allow us to make decisions to affect virtually every part of our life. So what is this like? This is like uh, the beginning of last century and the discovery of electricity. We're at that level. You know, with, with our company that we sold in May, Eva, we were using unsupervised AI to be able to solve problems. And we just weren't ready for it. But today now, because of the inundated uh, data and the infobesity, you know, companies are ready for it because they're inundated. Individuals are ready for it. And we've got, what, 1.4 billion people in Africa with some of the best AI companies coming out of places like Nigeria. This will democratize the opportunity. Information is accessible to everyone. Fair enough. So I'm we're seeing the companies, the, the, the opportunity is now because the seeds of these next Googles or Twitters or Facebook are being planted today. So what we do at, at GSD, we go around the world, we go to competitions, we use ambassadors in countries like Kenya, Ghana, Zambia, Indonesia, and we mine those companies that are revenue producing that are on a trajectory that are using technologies like ChatGPT 3 and unsupervised AI. So this is, uh, this is Pete Thurlow. I mentioned in early meetings with Mark and, and, and that I, I serve as an advisor to DARPA and I used to be in the military. They're coming up tomorrow and Thursday to New York. Uh, Mark, happy to separately get you connected to them. Another gentleman's coming up uh, from a Bring new him to part lunch. of the government. Bring him to lunch, uh, Pete. Pete yeah. Um, this other gentleman's coming up from a new uh, group in the government called Office of Strategic Capital. Uh, obviously, AI is going to be one of the strategic investments. They're a new group, so it's going to be non-diluted funding. As I get more information, I'll share with Mark to share with the group, okay. and we'll try to get them as speakers uh, on future events. What's it called again? It's called Office of Strategic Capital. I can send you uh, can. the name of the gentleman that's running the group, Mark, and okay. follow up separately on that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You got it. Other comments, questions? Yeah, the uh, question, uh, as mentioned in the chat, is uh, the uh, question of ethical AI, right? So, the, so what's what's evident is that there's a huge pro proliferation and an arms race happening very, very quickly, right? So, if you if you don't incorporate AI some in some way in your offering, and this is this is just one sliver of the opportunities that we've seen so far, um, it lends itself obviously to a whole lot of additional uh, deep fakes and everything else. Um, uh, you know, where you know, you know, to the 
to the point where we literally don't know if the, the people we're talking with online are actual people or not. And, you know, that's, it, it's going to get to that stage very quickly. What, what are the prospects for managing that, you know, that, that tsunami? Interestingly, a lot of the founders of um, OpenAI and some of these other countries do come from a, an ethics perspective in the, you know, the, cat the catalyzation of these companies, where I think it's, um, you know, the question is, how do you scale it, right? So it's, it's one thing to do it as a research project, but then when millions or, you know, soon billions of people are on it, how do you actually apply that at, at, at levels like, you know, Twitter scale? Uh, so one phenomenon in the industry is called constitutional AI, where OpenAI kind of did this between the 3.0 GPT and the 3.5, which is part of chat GPT. And uh, Anthropic is another company from one of the founders of OpenAI. Um, he's also one of the, uh, the original researchers on the attentional is all you need paper that, you know, initi initiated a lot of this. And so what that means is there's sort of a set of rules where there's a constitution that it cannot violate one, you know, one simple element of it is, uh, pretending to be human. So if you train a large language model on, you know, every popular book, there's a lot of sci-fi books where, the machine pretends to be human. So that sort of ended up resulting in chat GPT or, or GPT 3.0. If you asked it was human, it, it said it was, right? So when we add this constitutional layer, um, it, it's forced to be clear, like, no, I'm a large language model created by OpenAI, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's one sort of element of how ethics is being implemented at scale. But we're, we're at the very beginnings of this. Um, there's also uh, so many cultures, countries, laws to consider. So this is going to be a, I think, a constant battle. The other thing is like, you know, how people have sort of hijacked it, right? So you can sort of, it's not going to tell you how to do something dangerous, but if you ask it to write a movie script where the characters are doing something dangerous, like creating a bomb, it gives you enough detail potentially to create a bomb. So there's ways to kind of um, jailbreak it. And this is going to be sort of a corporate initiative, but then as the open source efforts release, there's not going to be a lot of limits applied to those and forks of those. So you're looking at a lot of uh, deep fake challenges. So there's, yeah, this is a nascent field. I don't think anyone knows where it's going, but what I'm seeing applied at scale is going to be this concept of having an institution. Just the whole fake social media accounts. Anyway, that, that happened like three or four years ago, but now you got people who can literally know you and chat like you and do commerce. Uh, probably it, it's just the biometrics you have to, they can save you. What scares me most is the voice reproduction that, you know, we're getting close to where with only, you know, less than a minute of voice sample. So imagine it calling your mom in your voice saying, yeah. hey, can you bail me out of jail? And wire the money to this PayPal or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I mean, that that's going to start so, happening. So instead of phishing, like be beware of phishing, it's beware of your son's voice not being authentic. So, Sanjay, can you see coming in the near future, essentially think of the antivirus of ChatGPT where there's an overlay. So there's something out there that, that can use some sort of... Uh, AI or algorithm or whatever it is to detect that this is actually not real? 
is, is, can you see yeah, that? Yeah, there, there's tools like that, but it's, it's an arms race. The problem is, um, you know, you can deploy those tools, but then the real, you know, scammers are always going to be a step ahead of you. So this is going to be a real, I, I think people are concerned about, you know, the singularity and AI sort of, you know, taking over and having a terminal terminator you know type of situation I, I i'm not concerned about it at all it's it's so easy for humans to misuse the tools that's that's the greatest threat from my view so it's definitely going to be um you know an arms race of the the antivirus tech um we're we're, we're it's the, in front of us right now is school cheating right so the schools have these tools where they can detect whether OpenAI created something, but all I have to do is tell OpenAI to, you know, put in, interject a small number of grammatical errors or spelling mistakes, and then that tool doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And so even a student can very easily bypass the checker just by producing, asking for an imperfect result, which, you know, or it, so it's going to be an arms race. It's, it's a, it's a tough one. I'm, I'm excited that the, uh, <laughs> You know, the people that are behind a lot of this come from a fairly ethical background, but what's going to happen soon is this is going to be so accessible to everyone, um, you know, governments included, hackers included, that it's, it's hard to tell where the attack vectors are going to be. Uh, Hamlet, I saw him come on because he's on our cyber side. I, don't, I think he was on and off. We'll have to get his view on that. Other questions, comments? The uh, yeah. So just just to that point, uh, the um, uh, I think I think the real the the real issue that we've seen with uh, like social media so far, even without the level of AI that we have, is the polarization that it creates. Right. So when you look at the potential damage that AI could create, I don't think anyone's really concerned about terminators running around. It's more the fact that the AI has the ability. Um, to uh, you know, depending on who's driving the agenda, and, and there are a lot of different agendas, to basically just polarize uh, us even more. Um, I don't. I, I don't have a way of thinking about how to depolarize a um, society that's kind of, uh, you know, where, where where you have this AI arms race that's evolving that quickly. So I just I, I, I just don't know how to think about that yet. Yeah. You'd hope you'd hope it. We're looking for bridges, <laughs> more divides. Yeah. If you look at the uh, the deep fake technology, uh, there's a famous video of Tom Cruise uh, impersonation that looks unbelievably uh, amazing. It looks like it's really Tom Cruise, same voice and everything. That's just a that's been out there for a couple of years. I've seen with the work I do with the government and quite frankly, work with the Chinese government, some other technology where they're they're uh, it, it's a it's really to me, it's scary. It's going to affect elections. People are going to see things and believe it, uh, but it's not going to be from the actual person. So there's there's a lot of concerns there. Fair enough. 